Blog Talk Radio. February 6, 2024. This is scan number 3372. And my name is Penelope Bennis. I am from Bellevue, Washington um, today. Um, and uh, I'm also an adult survivor of child abuse. And I, I welcome you to the show. Um, we have a growing panel. I have the yeah, Philip Anaska family member on the line. And uh, I'm just going to encourage you to call in. Call in. We talk about issues. Um, that uh, really center around the topics of uh, our mission, which is all about child abuse, trauma prevention, intervention, recovery. So uh, please call in with any questions or comments to me um, and to the growing panel and to Philip. The number to call in to participate during the show is area code 646-595. 2118. Again, the number is area code 646-595-2118, and uh, you'll be able to participate um, in the show, even if you just want to listen. Um, listen only is perfectly fine, and uh, it's a great way to get involved with NASCA is to just join our panel and see what we're all about. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about our mission statement before we dive in tonight, um, because uh, we have very important, uh, we do very important work here, we have a very important mission, we're very dedicated to it. Um, it's to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. The first goal is educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts, showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And the second is offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Whether you're an adult survivor of child abuse or you know someone who is, uh, we serve um, everyone um, in our, within our community. So, um, Philip, I've unmuted your mic, and, you know, Philip, we were, um, when I hosted the show last time, we were talking about the benefits for adult survivors or really anybody that's experienced trauma, but the benefits of practicing um, mindfulness and or uh, meditation, and um, we had a great discussion about it, and you mentioned that you had uh, meditated for 30 minutes yesterday and today, so I just wanted to bring that up again and, and, you know, I'm so glad that you shared that with me, and I wanted to, to hear a little bit more about it. Well, um, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, but I, I didn't have, like, the motivation to do it until we had the conversation about meditation, and that sparked my motivation to to meditate um, for the past couple of days before yesterday as well. So I'm grateful that we had the conversation about meditation, and um, I feel like, a lot better and 
more prepared to ha- to handle my problems now that I've meditated. And, like, I don't know if anybody else, like, feels this, but when I go to sleep at night after I meditate for a long time, I can feel, like, brain activity happening up there. Can you feel that? Oh, my gosh. First of all, I'm just smiling, and I just so appreciate that you shared that with me and that you have um, participated in it and found some benefit in it. And, yes, I mean, I do. I I actually feel less – I feel more calm. So I feel like um, the, there's a shift for me. So I, I don't know if I call – I mean, yes, it's brain – it's a different kind of brain activity for me. Um, but I think, you know, our brains react to – you know, meditation, mindfulness in different ways. And so, um, you know, I think any, any shift and that could be noticing more brain activity is just, is, and you've, the fact that you've noticed it, you know, is very significant. And it may be, Philip, because, you know, when we practice in mindfulness or in meditation, um, we're creating space, you know, within ourselves and within our mind to notice more of what's going on with us. So the activity, you know, it's possible that it's always there, um, but that you're, you're created space to notice that. And that's a good thing. Does that make sense? Yes. And I've kind of noticed that I can make more progress in life when I notice things instead of just do things. When I notice things happening, Mm -hmm. it makes a lot more progress. So it sounds like it's given you the ability, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but possibly just to slow down a little bit, right, to notice. You've given yourself the space you've to, to, to actually notice. Yes, Penelope, yes. Yeah, that is, that is incredible. Um, I, I think that that is just so wonderful. And, I mean, as I mentioned, and you said, you know, you spent 30 minutes yesterday, which is, fantastic and I know that sometimes we feel you know that if we don't put a time stamp on it or invest the you know an x amount of time um that you know we may you know are we are receiving the benefits or are we you know doing our own due diligence for ourselves and I would say um if you have 30 minutes and 30 minutes serves you that's great you have a minute, if you have two minutes, if you have three minutes, there's still a shift, you know. Um, so don't, you know, if you're seeing a benefit and, you know, tomorrow you might not have 30 minutes, but you might have five, I would say just don't underestimate the impact of even meditating or using a mindfulness practice, even just an app for five minutes. Um, every little Every little bit that you do, helps and it's it's impactful does that make sense uh sorry i was on mute yes that makes sense the the small things help too yes because you know a lot of the times when we're practicing a mindfulness or a meditation and i know that you said that you use an, an app for that so you're led through a practice which i think is awesome um, and in fact, I have a question for you. So, when you um, when you start um, a meditation practice, do they do they focus on the way you're breathing, or just tell you to notice your breath going in and out, or something about the breath? Yes, there's multiple. Well, there's like there's different variations of that of breath work. But yes, they uh, mm-hmm. they say focus on the breath going, the cool air going into your nose, and the warm mm-hmm. air going out as well. Mm-hmm. And to mm-hmm. focus on counting the breaths and different variations mm-hmm. of counting the breaths. Yes. So here's the in- interesting thing about the breath. So the breath, it's interesting because the breath can actually help regulate the mind, right? Because it, it's 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 uh, part of our nervous system. And so, you know, regulating the breath or paying attention to the breath actually also connects you to what's going on in your mind. And it sounds like um, there's breath work involved. There's usually breath work involved in every every practice that's um, offered. Um, and interestingly, 
you know, sometimes our mind will start to wander when we notice our breath, and, and that's okay. But um, the breath is important also because, and I know, you know, I always have my students, sometimes I just say, you know, just bring your attention to the breath and notice breathing in and, you know, breathing in the nose or out of the nose and, and you know, where the air is going in. But I just bring their attention to it. I don't necessarily tell them to, to count. Sometimes I do, um, depending on the type of breath that we're practicing. But did you know that it only takes three full breaths or cycles of breath? So a full breath or a cycle of breath is just breathing in and breathing out. You can actually change um, and start to make an impact on your nervous system, which makes an impact on your mind, in three breaths. That's all it takes. I don't know if, if you were aware of that or not, but it's, I know sometimes, you know, we well, during a meditation or mindfulness practice, it might be into a 30-minute practice, but it just takes three rounds of breath to actually have an effect. And so when I say, you know, a 30-minute 30, a 30 meditation is fabulous. I've done, you know, I've led groups through 45 minutes an hour, which is fabulous as well. But if you have a minute or two minutes or three minutes, and that's all you have or five, you know, even just taking, you know, several rounds of breath does have an impact on, um, on the mind. Um, and it is, make, it is, it is having it, producing a benefit for you. So I don't know, Phil, if you knew, you know, that it was just three. But when I teach my students that, they're just, they're amazed, right? They didn't, you know, because sometimes we think, well, if we don't do something for a long time or put a lot of effort, you know, sometimes, you know, quantity doesn't, you know, becomes the rule and it's really not in mindfulness. Um, So, you know, it's not like the longer, you know, you breathe, you know, you'll receive a benefit, just three rounds. So it's, it's more, um, it's more just the quality um, than the quantity. So I don't know if that makes sense or not. But that's why I always tell my students, you know, don't, don't, um, feel like if you don't have a lot of time to invest every day that you're not going to be able to get into a routine um, or uh, of a practice or a habit of doing a daily practice. Um, even if you have a minute or two, even if you do, you know, three rounds of breath, I mean, and, and really focus on that and bring your awareness to it, it it's helping. Yeah, to be honest with you, I noticed that I noticed the benefits as soon as I start meditating. Yes. And I don't know, I don't actually, to be honest with you, I don't notice them as much as the longer ones. Interesting. That's interesting. So on the app that you use to practice, do they have offerings of different lengths of um, practices that they offer, like in terms of time duration? On the app called Balance, you can use three, mm-hmm. five, or ten minutes. And on the app mm. called Calm, you can do like two to three to 30 minutes. Yeah, that's great. That is great. I assume that, that they would, um, which tells you, right, that you can receive benefit in two minutes. Um, you can receive benefit in 30. So what do you, what do, you do, Philip, when you're doing a 30-minute practice and – the phone rings or the doorbell rings or something happens that um, that's out of your control and is inter- an interruption. That's a tricky question. To be honest with you, sometimes I'm the inter- sometimes I'm the interruption, like by opening my eyes or fidgeting mm-hmm. with my fingers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like if some, something distracts me, I'll just try to be patient, be patient and realize that I can finish my meditation right then, or I can also. Um, like, take care of whatever needs to be taken care of if there's nobody else to take care of it or if it's important mm-hmm. and, like, realize that I can get back to my meditation after that I take is, care of it. Uh, that is great. That is great. That is exactly the way that, that interruption should be handled during a mindfulness or meditation practice because, you know, even if we try and, you know, um, really try and prevent any outside noise or any outside sounds from interrupting our meditation or mindfulness practice, 
life happens, right? It just does. In fact, one one time I was leading, um, it was during COVID, I was leading um, faculty and staff at a college I worked at um, through a workshop, a 40-minute workshop, uh, meditation. And, I mean, I had turned off all the ringers of the phones and, you know, I had turned off um, my cell phone, obviously, from the noise. And I had written a note on the doorbell, like, another front door, like, do not knock, do not ring the doorbell, you know, meditation session, meditation in session. I mean, I did everything I possibly could to make sure that there would be no interruption. In fact, the interim president of the university was the former governor of our state. He attended my I mean, I was just, I felt all this pressure. And so I did everything I possibly could to make sure that, um, you know, I could lead this, lead this practice without um, any interruption. And sure enough, halfway through, one of the smoke alarms in my place, the battery, you know, when the battery gets low, it starts to beep. It happened. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so, so, you know, here, the point is this. Things, there will be interruption, you know, someone will honk a car horn outside, you know, there might be, you know, a, a, a police officer or like, you know, a fire engine or an ambulance with its sirens going that passes you by or passes your home or wherever you're practicing, you know, things happen. And that's the, during a mindfulness meditation, that's exactly the right thing to do. This is what I, um, when I counsel my students, instead of getting Upset with yourself if your mind wanders and you notice the sound. Um, or, or instead of trying to pretend it didn't happen and ignore it, sometimes if we ignore something, it becomes bigger. So I always tell my students, okay, acknowledge the noise, right? Okay, car horn honked. Thank your mind for sharing. <laughs> and gently guide your attention back to the meditation practice. So what you're doing is, okay, you're just, what you described, you're saying, okay, you know, this happened. I'll address it later, mind. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to refocus myself on meditation. And that's exactly, you know, what um, I have been taught as a meditation instructor um, to do. So that's fabulous that you're doing that. And I think, you know, we have to realize that it, meditation is not something the more we do it, we perfect it. I mean, you know, it takes practice every single day. And so even those that are, you know, that are avid um, mindfulness or, you know, meditation practice practitioners, um, we still have to manage out, you know, the mind wandering and bringing the mind back to the practice. Nobody is perfect at it. I mean, this, this is just being human. Um, but I think what you what you did, what, how you handle it, Philip, um, and for those listening in, I mean, this is um, that's it will help you to um, be more forgiving of yourself and allow yourself to you know, give yourself permission to say, okay, you know, my mind wandered, but I'm going to gently guide it back, and it doesn't mean that I'm not doing this correctly, and it doesn't mean that I, you know, can't practice mindfulness or meditation. You know, it just it's just a a good to know um, tactic to use um, to, um, you know, bring yourself back into it. Um, but I also think that we need to realize that, you know, having a, you know, flawless um, participation in a meditation or mindfulness is not the goal. You know, the goal is to learn um, how to deal with outside stimulus that comes at us in a way um, that we can manage it appropriately. So, um, I appreciate you sharing that with me, Philip, and that's exactly that's exactly what, you know, what the right way, you know, a, a good way to do it. I don't like to say right and wrong, but I think it's a, an effective way to do it. So that's great. So do you ever practice um, on your Calm or Balance app, um, like guided imagery meditations? Imagery? Did you say imagery? Yeah, imagery. I've never heard of that humility. Maybe you can describe it to me, please. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so sometimes I will do a guided imagery, imagery, imagery <laughs> meditation practice with my um, students, and you know, I first so I these they always start with breath work. You know, having my uh, the you know, if I'm leading a practice, having 
to practitioners, you know, settle into their breath, you know, notice their breath. Um, and then I just start asking them to visualize something that I've chosen to um, walk them through. So my favorite visualization is um, I have them go to a field where there's um, a forest and a, um, and a path that's beckoning them into a forest, and I lead them through a forest to a beautiful meadow. Um, and I describe the meadow, and the meadow has, you know, lush flowers and grass, and it's, it has wildlife and birds and um, wonderful smells, and the flowers are, you know, um, their favorite colors. And um, I have them just feel the, the, the ground underneath their feet, you know, the nourishing soil. And I have them go sit, you know, walk across the, the meadow and sit under a, a big tree that has a comforting trunk, and uh, but it's an it's an, a visualization. So guided imagery is a visualization of to a place, and having them imagine that they're there. And I try and draw in the senses. So you know that's why I said I mentioned them feeling you know the the um, nourishing soil under their feet, smelling the fragrant flowers or their favorite smells, they're their favorite colors, and there's a breeze and you're looking up at the sky, and um, so that's just a, when I say guided imagery or visualization, that's what it is. You're you're taking them to a place, and you're visualizing it, and you're experiencing it. And I do try and draw on all the senses, and then I take them back out of the meadow, back to the path of the forest, and back to the field where they they started. Um, so it's a different kind of um, meditation practice. And, or mindfulness practice, and um, oh, it's meditation, I think. I call it a meditation. And um, they're usually about 10 to 15 minutes. And it's just a, it's a little, it's a little bit, it's kind of a different type of practice than um, uh, a normal, you know, a different type of meditation that I would do or focusing on an emotion or, you know, something more specific because that's, that's really meditation when you focus on something specific. So, I would say if your apps have any, you know, guided visuals, it might, it might be called like guided visualization or guided imagery. Those can be quite interesting um, and pleasant, you know, kind of, it kind of takes you to a different place and back. So does that make sense? Yes. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Because sometimes I feel like we need, for me, I like them because sometimes I feel like I need an escape. You know, I need an escape. I just want to go somewhere else for a while um, and then come back. Um, it's like a mini field trip, you know, that's actually, you know, idyllic, if you will. Um, so, um, but it does help you kind of come inside yourself um, and focus on something. Um, it gives you a focus to focus on something a little bit different. Um, so I'm going to ask you another question, Philip. It's not... I, so I'm also a certified yoga instructor, and I teach yoga, and there's a lot of breath work that's involved in yoga, and there's also a lot of breath work that's involved in Tai Chi, and I was wondering if you participated in either one of those. I did some yoga. I did, like, two classes of yoga when I used to work at 24-Hour Fitness, and mm-hmm. I wish I would have done it for longer, to be honest with you, but it kind of worked out well that I didn't do it for longer. But that's something I might, like, that, that, that I've been interested in recently because I like to be flexible and I like to be strong. Yes. So that is, those are some great benefits of yoga is flexibility and endurance and strength. But the one, so what makes yoga different from, like, stretching, right, or an exercise class? is that yoga focuses on the breath, and we talked about the breath and um, how the breath is, you know, connected to the nervous system and how it can regulate the mind. And um, the nice thing that yoga does, too, is, is to me there's, there's um, meditation and mindfulness inherent within the practice because it addresses the breath. But as trauma survivors, you know, as adults have to child abuse, I've heard so many in my own testimony and other testimonies where we've disconnected with our bodies. You know, we've left our bodies. We've become numb um, in a sense. And so yoga and Tai Chi, the, you know, those are two practices that incorporate the breath, but it helps to connect the mind back to the body. 
So I don't know if that makes sense or not. Um, but for um, does that make sense, Philip? Am I explaining that well, accurately? Well, that kind of rings a bell with some of the meditation I do because we'll like connect the finger movements, the hand movements to the breath. So is that like kind of like yoga? Yes. Okay. Yes. It is because cool. you're good. making that mind-body connection. And that's that's the point. Because you're connect and it also it helps to focus, but also helps to connect the mind and the body, which is a big a big part of regulation, right? And yeah. maybe not in your own in your own story, but I know in mine, um, um, as a child, you know, for the physical abuse that the way I survived is I, I learned how to dissociate and actually leave my body and I couldn't feel it. So, um, that served me well and helped me to survive. But as an adult, you know, um, through, you know, the trauma and I was still, I was still disconnected from my body. I was frozen. So yoga, it, there is a, a meditation mindfulness component connecting the breath with the body and actually, you know, helping with that regulation. So for example, um, when I'm leading a yoga class and I have my students, um, do a hamstring stretch, right? And I have them do one leg and then the other. You know, I pause in between and I ask them to notice and to feel, you know, what they notice um, on the leg that they've stretched. You know, do they notice any sensation? Do they notice any activity? Um, to take a few moments and take like three breaths. Again, there's that number three. And um, it's an interesting thing to do because what you'll notice is you'll notice how one leg feels different than the other. And so it starts just making, reconnecting, because we've been, if you numb out, you know, if you, if you dissociate and you can't feel your body, you can disconnect. It's that practice of yoga, which has a mindfulness or meditation component, helps to reconnect. And I know I have found it, and I know others that have, you know, um, talked about, and Tai Chi, as I mentioned, Tai Chi is another one, you know, it's, to me, yoga is a, a component. The breath is a big part of it. It's a it's a mindful movement, if you will, and um, it's very it's been very helpful for me in in just reintegrating um, my mind and my body um, and being able um, to notice things um, that I didn't notice for so long. I didn't notice sensation. I didn't notice pain. I didn't notice anything. So I think when you're talking about the finger movements, that's definitely they're they're just making that mind body connection, right? Um, what'd you say again? Sorry. So when you're doing the finger movements in your practice, that you said that you know sometimes on your meditation practice will have you move, you know, connect the, you know, move the fingers a certain way. It's a nice way to to integrate the mind and the body together. Yes, it's one of my favorite meditations that I do. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So I don't know if you've heard of um, Porgy's theory. Um, he It's about the, you know, our nervous system and what happens to us um, when we have experienced prolonged um, um, trauma. And, um, and this is where meditation, mindfulness, and, and, um, and uh, the breath work and also yoga or tai chi come in. So um, I know you've heard of um, the autonomic nervous system and the nervous system, and we have our bodies at rest, right? Our body can be fight or flight, um, and our body. So I, you know, I'm sure you're you're familiar with that, right? I mean, you know, you can be calm or you can be right on alert. Um, but his theory was with long-term trauma. Um, that, you know, when you're in a constant state of being hyper alert or being in fight or flight, that over time, the body actually becomes frozen. So I think I told you, like, I went numb. So I think numbness and being frozen, those are very, I mean, those are very close relatives, if you will. So um, our bodies can become 
frozen, you know, if we're in prolonged trauma, then uh, Ray, you know, any any amount of trauma, there's really no spectrum. Some of us can, um, you know, become frozen um, um, through a trauma or repeated trauma. And so um, I don't know if you've heard of Porgy's theory or if you've ever experienced actually kind of getting into that state of being frozen or being numb. But mindfulness, meditation, yoga, tai chi, with the breath work, it helps to re-regulate the system um, um, to bring us back to homeostasis, you know, to, to break through the mold of that being frozen or constantly being in fight or flight and bring us back um, into a state of homeostasis or um, equilibrium. So I was um, in, oh, make, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to ask you, does that make sense? Yeah, please share. Yes, I've been in that frozen mode before, driving in the car with my dad. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's not pleasant, is it? <laughs> no, it's not pleasant at all. I'm glad that, like, yeah. there's somebody else that, that can help me through this, like you, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm sorry that you experienced that. I get it. I've been there. And um, and I I think what you're doing is great in terms of the, the meditation, the mindfulness, and, and using and incorporating some body movement because it helps uh, us and it helps you to re-regulate, right, to re-regulate from that state of being frozen. So I, how did I, you handle it? I, when I was a kid going through that uh, frozen stage, I knew that my breath mm-hmm. would help me, but I didn't want to do it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Right. I think because I didn't like what the moment to hang around, and I knew that the moment would hang around like if I if I started breath work. Does that make sense? Right. Well, do you know, exactly, because sometimes coming back to homeostasis means that we have to start feeling and, re- and really living and acknowledging what happens. And we have to be ready for that, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I think we have to be ready for that. And obviously that's what you're doing and you are ready for that. But what you said to me makes perfect sense. And I think that's protective, you know, we... We have this inner protection in our within ourselves, and we know we know when we're we're ready, and we know when we're not ready. So that could have been a defense mechanism for you, Philip. And it, it's not necessarily, you know, it it served you on on some level, you know. And now you're, you know, now you're ready to, you know, use some techniques to um, address that. And that's what I, what I think is amazing about adult survivors of child abuse is that there is there comes a point where, you know, we're ready. You know, we know that we're ready. We're ready to um, ad- address it, and we have the strength to address it. And we have the strength to um, um, bring the trauma up and address it and bring it out. Um, and uh, the more we do it right, the better we feel. Like you said. Um, it's taking those first baby steps, but I think we we know within ourselves when we're ready. So I held on to that. I kept that. I didn't address it for many many decades. Really, um, wasn't wasn't ready. Um, well, see, I'll, I'll tell you this: we're lucky to be alive because a lot of people commit suicide, and a lot of people don't have. The strength they're just abused beyond the point to ever work on themselves. That's right. Absolutely, we are very, very lucky. I totally agree. But one of the things that mindfulness and meditation and and doing yoga, um, I never realized, because, you know, once you start practicing it, right, like you were saying, you've been meditating, one of the things is, when I started doing it, I didn't realize that how good 
you know, or how calm my mind could be, how good my body could feel, you know, how content and how much peace that I would be able to find. Um, I didn't know that was even possible. Um, and I think the hardest part is starting the ter- starting the process, which you have done. But it's hard, but there's also a, big, a beauty in it. And I think that that's, that's part of the beauty is actually if you can take that first step. And like you said, Philip, some people just can't and they don't. And um, But if you can and you do, you realize that there's hope in what it can what what life can be like, right? There is there is another side, and it's a it's a it's a more hopeful side. Um, there's beauty in it, um, and joy and contentment and everything else. Um, but I too have known people that have not um, that have taken their lives, you know, because um, of the pain. Very lucky to not be abused past the breaking point. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I I I agree. Um, but that's what NASCA is all about, and that's what NASCA is for. You know, it's for the newcomer. It's for you know um, everyone. Um, I mean, there is a place. You know. Um, for everyone, and uh, even those of us, you know, there's no judgment about where we are um, in our lives. You know, you're at your breaking point. Come to NASCA, you know. Um, but uh, you know, we're all in different on different you know parts of the path of recovery, um, and uh, the breaking point. That's the moment for me. I had a breaking point. And that was my aha moment. Um, and uh, I think we all get to that point. Um, but that's you took some steps at that point, and I applaud you for that. Thanks, Sylvie. You're welcome. So, Phil, what are your thoughts on on um? maybe trying a visualization or a guided imagery um, when, uh, if you have time to do it, you know, in the next week or two. Are you intrigued by that? Well, is that something you recommend? I would. I, if you, if you, you know, if you're curious and would like to try it, it's just, it's a different experience. Um, um, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's worth a try. You might not like it. But um, you might do. Do they have any on YouTube? They do. They do. Um, let's see here. You know who I like on YouTube? I think he does a nice job. Deepak Chopra. D E E D A K, and then Chopra is C H. Um. O P R A. D A K what? D Pack D um Chopra, which is C H O P R A. Yeah. Um he's I know he's been on like mainstream television like um like major news networks as kind of their their go to guru guy for meditation and mindfulness. Um but if you search him on YouTube, um, and I would do like, you know, maybe try it as guided meditation. Yeah. Maybe call it a guided meditation. Um, he's got a lot of material there. And I think he's he's great. Um, he's got a guided meditation on gratitude. I'm looking at YouTube here. He's got a, um, let's see here. Um, and that one's only six minutes and 22 seconds. Um, he's also got general uh, meditations for anxiety, um, for stress and anxiety relief, for staying focused, 
for um, letting go. Let's see, I'm just reading it. Finding your inner peace. Um, I've actually used, he has one on pain, which I've used before. Um, so he's got a lot of material on there. Um, check him out. Okay, Deepak Chopra. Yeah, Deepak, which is um, D as in dog, E-E, P as in Paul, A, K as in kangaroo, so Deepak. The last name is Chopra, so C as in Charlie, H as in Harry, O as in orange, P as in Paul, R as in ragtime, and A as in apple. And uh, um, he's, and I would put, you know, meditation or after his name, because he's also does a lot of just speeches and things like that. He's got some great material on YouTube. I see. Awesome. So yeah, I think I think he does, and he's got some longer ones, some shorter ones, and uh, we're NASCA. You know, we don't we don't salute. You know, we're not um, um, endorsing you know anybody for money, and we're you know we're completely you know volunteer nonprofit organization. But um, my through my own personal experience, this is my opinion. I think I think he's great. I think he's great for anyone, um, no matter if you have no experience and it's your first time or you do it often. So I think he, he serves kind of all different, all different types of practitioners, and um, he's worthwhile to check out. So, so another visual meditation. Yeah, or guided. It might be called guided or visual or, you know, guided imagery. Got it. Awesome. So I wrote it down, and I'll look in it tomorrow. I'll look into it tomorrow. Awesome. Oh, great. Well, I can't wait to hear how it goes for you. I think you'll find if you like, if you like, um, if you try one, you like it. There's a, he's got a lot, a lot to offer in terms of practices on YouTube. So, um, and he uses really nice scenery. He has a nice voice, um, so I, I think you'll enjoy it if you do. I mean, if you like enjoy him, you, there's a lot to a lot to choose from. Um, and uh, I've, you know, when I was learning how to become, you know, a meditation instructor myself, a mindfulness instructor, I followed a number of different, um, you know, meditation gurus to to learn, and I really felt like he was very, very. Um, really instrumental in helping me understand, you know, all the dynamics of, um, um, and, 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 uh, so anyway, of meditation and mindfulness, um, it was just kind of my lineage, if you will. So, so yeah, I'll be interested to see what you think. How long have you been practicing meditation for? Oh gosh. Um, since about 2018. So six years, six years, and um, okay, yeah. And uh, I wish I know. I wish I had known, you know, about it as a as a modality for, you know, um, you know, just calming the mind a long time. I mean, I wish I had known about it, you know, 30 years ago. But um, I'm grateful that I know about it now, and it's it's just helped me immensely. Um, and I think the great thing about mindfulness and meditation is become it's there's just so much data on its benefits that it's just become so mainstream. I mean, it's something that is really mainstream now. It's not something that's just an anomaly. So um, I'm I'm very grateful for that as well. Um, it's becoming something that is being taught in curriculum. You know, it's just being recognized um, for the power that it has in terms of just helping to, you know, calm the mind and the benefits that it, um, that it brings. I'm, I think uh, I'm very grateful for that. Um, I think we could all use it. I don't think that anybody is harmed by doing it. You know, I think it's, it's, uh, there's something good in it for everybody. So, um, I have to go, Penelope. Okay, well, thanks for calling in, Philip. Thank you for hosting Oh, you're welcome. It's always great to hear from you. Um, stay blessed. Take care. You too.
Bye bye. So thank you, Philip. And so for those of you listening, please call in and join the panel. Area code six four six five nine five two one one eight. If you have um, any um, other types of um, uh, body mind um, to connect the body mind uh, modalities that you've used to help you um, in addressing um, trauma um, in in your path to recovery. Um, um, as you're healing from um, child abuse as an adult, please call in and share your experience and share um, the modality that has served you because learning about um, what has helped you helps me and helps everybody else. So um, please feel free to call in and share. I don't think that um, there's any, if something's benefited um, anyone, I don't think that there's any um, downside um, to sharing. Um, we're all, you know, uh, adult survivors who um, are willing to come to the table and and um, share whatever resources that we can um, to our community um, so that we can, you know, help each other. We're all in this together. It's an issue that we know is so much bigger than ourselves. And um, I've learned so much from our guests that have called in our panel, that um, people that have called in and shared their experiences as well as with some of our other survivor professionals. And it's really helped me um, as I've continued on, um, you know, the healing um, process, um, which I have, um, I'm grateful to acknowledge that it is lifelong um, and that being conscious um, is daily work, um, that it is daily work. And, um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the ability to do it. So the topic tonight has been um, how meditation and mindfulness can help um, as we heal from um, uh, child abuse and the effects of child abuse, Um, or reconnecting with ourselves, reparenting ourselves, and um, moving forward um, in the path of recovery. So we talked about some resources. We don't endorse any resources, but uh, you know, this is in my opinion only um, that there are some wonderful apps to use. I know that Philip or Caller uses Calm and Balance. These are two different apps. I like. I tend to like uh, to go on YouTube. Um, I enjoy Deepak Chopra. Um, he does a wonderful job. I also like Esther Eckhart from Eckhart Yoga. Just some wonderful and shorter and longer meditation practices, mindfulness practices. But um, um, that's one of the gifts of technology is that these things are at our fingertips and they are free of charge. So I encourage you to check them out. And um, as I mentioned, it only takes three rounds of breath to make a shift. in the nervous system and to help calm the mind. So even a minute, two minutes um, is helpful. Um, so finding a very comfortable place in your home um, to sit um, where you can be sitting upright, where you're comfortable, um, looking at something that you enjoy. I like looking out a window. Um, um, some people like to find a beautiful piece of artwork in their home or like to sit um, in a comfortable space and look at that, but just somewhere where you feel is your space, um, you're comfortable and you feel at peace and you feel happy, a sense of joy, something that you, like I said, enjoy looking at, um, a place that is yours. Um, it's nice to know that place is there. When I um, I teach mindfulness at the college level and I always, the first assignment I have my students do is find a quiet space, find your space. It doesn't have to be a big space. Just big enough for you to sit um, comfortably on a chair or a cushion um, in your home and something pleasant to look at. But it, it can take some time to find that space um, and make it your own. Um, and that's a great way to start. And then it doesn't take that long, a minute or two. You can go up to 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. Um, is uh, your time, whatever time permits and whatever your comfort level is that day, um, it doesn't, you know, 
It doesn't take much to just start. Um, it's, it's just getting into the habit. Um, but I, I know um, from those that I have um, walked through the concept and the practice of mindfulness, um, um, once they um, um, begin after um, the inception of it um, and the practice of it, um, it's something that um, my students tell me over and over that even after the class is over, it's something that they continue on on their own. Um, it's getting started. And, of course, if you're in a class, if you're in a college class and you're required to, that is also um, extrinsic motivation to get started. But um, um, getting started um, and having that intrinsic motivation to start on your own, um, it is uh, taking that step is a step towards, um, so I, I think it's a wonderful journey. So I really encourage you um, to, if you haven't tried it, to try it. So uh, my name is Penelope Bennis. I really want to thank you for being here with me this evening. Um, I've enjoyed um, hosting the shows. And um, as I always say when I close, um, off, close out the show, there are enough adult eyes and ears on this planet to keep every single one of our children safe. So if you see something, if you hear something, please say something. Do something. It's our adult responsibility to do so. Thank you very much and good night. Love Talk Radio.